welcome to the inaugural broadcast of Type 1 Ohio. I'm Kathy Passion, the director of the Central Ohio Diabetes Association. Whether you have T1D, live with someone who does, or interact with someone with type 1 at your work or socially, this is the place to learn more, connect with others, and get involved. Today we're chatting with Peter Margaritas, the accidental accountant. Peter is a professional speaker, improv virtuoso, and communication strategist who happens to be a non-practicing CPA in Ohio. He was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the young age of 42. Pete's son, Stephen, was diagnosed with type 1 on, get this, 1-1-17 at the genuinely young age of 16. Despite Pete's very busy life, he has made room in his schedule to become an integral part of the Central Ohio Diabetes Association Marketing Committee, donating his time and expertise to help us increase our ability to talk with the community. Pete, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, Kathy, I've been so excited to do this. I, it's, it's a little weird that me being on this side of the mic versus <laughs> interviewing, but yes. thank you for having me. Oh, Pete, we're, we're so excited. And again, without your encouragement and support and training, we wouldn't be even this far. So, Pete, tell me about when and how you were diagnosed with type 1. Weren't you a little old for that? <laughs> Just a tad bit. And I'm adopted, so I really don't have any medical history. Mm. And I remember I went in, I was having some, uh, I had a hole in my heart that was repaired when I was 40-ish. And uh, I had to go back in for some blood work. I was having some potassium issues. Mm -hmm. And the uh, cardiologist called me about three days later, uh, four days later, and said, um, your potassium looks better now. Hung up the phone and then immediately called back. Said, oh, I forgot to tell you, your blood sugar is high. I said, well, what is it? Mm -hmm. he, he said, 250. I went, what is it supposed to be? About 100. Um, oh. you, you, you need to go to your doctor and um, be tested to see if you have diabetes, basically. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it was completely out of the blue. I, I had, looking back, I probably demonstrated a lot of the, uh, the signs, but not knowing the signs, I, I you know, I, I, it was a shock. Now, Pete, I've met you in person. You're not the um, incorrect but stereotypical version of someone thinks of an adult with uh, diabetes. They usually think overweight, maybe, you know, not terribly active. You're none of that, right? Exactly. I, I'm, I could still always lose a few pounds, but I'm not overly heavy. Uh, I, I try to stay as active as possible. Uh, I, I, I bike. I, 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 you know, get involved. I, I'm not sitting around on my couch eating Cheetos and watching Sports Center all day. Right. It's such a misconception whether the person's type 1 or type 2. But tell me, Pete, did your doctor identify you as type 1 right away? Or based on your age, uh, did your doctor maybe think, well, maybe this is type 2? My GP thought I was type 2. Uh, yeah. But I had, I had a family member who was, a, who was a diabetic, and he's a doctor as well. Uh, uh, and he said, Pete, go to an endocrinologist. Just ah. schedule and go. And I, I, I took his advice and I did. And he basically told me that I was a type one and a half. And I went, Doc, yeah, I'm always trying to be different, but come on, this is a little bit crazy, don't you think? <laughs> and and he, he, he said, You've got something, there was something in my blood that was causing me um, 
my, my pancreas to not produce insulin. He said, you'll go from metformin to insulin quicker than most who are type 2. So we're not categorizing you as a type 2. You're closer to a 1, but we're going to start you out with oral meds. And, and he was right. I think it was a matter of, of, of maybe 18 months before that I was doing insulin shots. Very interesting. Wow. Very insightful of that doctor too, to, uh, you know, to, to catch that and make sure you had the right, the right diagnosis. So Pete, that still had to be a big change. Tell us what, what was that like going from, you know, basically perfectly normal and healthy to frankly, a 24 seven chronic disease? Uh, yeah, I was kind of, um, I, I don't have OCD at all, but I became OCD. I, I had a spreadsheet. I would write down everything I'd eat, the number of cars, what I took, what type of insulin I was taking. And I would take it to my endocrinologist and he, his, he would just look at me and go, I wish all my patients would do this. I went, they don't? He goes, he goes, Pete, be honest, they really don't. Uh, I, I wish they would do, do half of this. And I, cause I, took it serious. I mean, I, I, I never, yeah. I knew a few people who were diabetics and I think that's, I didn't know what that meant. Uh, I, no, uh, I thought, I thought it meant you can't give them candy uh, or they can't eat candy, you know, that, that, right. but it was much more than that. And once I went through some education with it, I took it to heart. Um, and I was mm -hmm. really regimented, especially when I was on metformin, really regimented with, with, with my diet, with my uh, exercise, trying to keep it in line. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it was a big change. It, you know, it took about an hour to two hours a day out of my day just managing my diabetes. Um, wow. It, it became overwhelming at times. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that, that it didn't. I can't tell you a few times I went, what the heck? But I, I kept trying to keep this you know, positive mental attitude. Like, it could always be worse. The doc could have said I had pancreatic cancer. That would be worse. Right, exactly. So yeah. I just tried to keep that positive thought going. And well, and that's so you, and, and I'm not surprised. So I, I'm also not surprised to learn that you jumped on it immediately and just really started managing your diagnosis. But then after so many years, all of a sudden you were hit with, a, in some ways, a, an even more impactful change when your son was diagnosed. Tell us more about that. My worst nightmare. Um, yes. Actually, I'd been traveling, uh, and I am, I'm usually traveling a lot th this time of year to the fall, to about mid-December. And I'd been home for about a couple weeks and started noticing a few things about him. But I wasn't seeing it consistently. I, I, I was noticing a lot of bottles of water in the bathroom, and I'm hearing him mm -hmm. urinate, urinate a lot. But, the, but then I didn't think I would see or hear it for a couple of days so I wasn't I, I was I was about to say Stephen let me check your blood but I, I didn't and uh, it was uh it was New Year's Day we we got up he wanted pancakes for breakfast of course gave him a nice big slab of pancakes and then about four hours later we met my brother down the short north for a, a brunch so my wife and I went and he, he went down he had more pancakes more maple syrup and it's a holiday and let's throw some coca-cola on top of that um oh. Yeah, yeah, and we got back to the house, and he had a headache, and he laid down, and then about an hour later, we were playing gin rummy, and I kid you not, he drank three glasses of water and went to the bathroom three mm -hmm. times in a 15-minute period, and oh I, st I stopped and I said, Stephen, let me check your blood. Why? Just let me check, 
And I did. And my meter said over 600 seek medical attention. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I said, okay, let me, let me try again, Steve. And, and, did it, and I said the same thing. And my wife could see the look in my face. I said, if I check my blood and there's a number, we're out of here. Well, there was a uh-huh. number. And uh, we immediately got him to the emergency room, which is less than five minutes from our house, where they, they, they took his blood and tested it. Even their machine said it's, it's over 600. I, I think it oh. came, finally, finally came back at 750. Um, oh. And I remember the ER doc going, looking Stephen square in the eyes and saying, I just will tell you the truth. You have diabetes. You're a diabetic. And his, yeah. he didn't miss he, he He didn't flinch. He didn't cry. He was stoic. And all he did was turn to me and say, hey, thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. <laughs> so <laughs> he had a sense of humor about it. <laughs> well, where did he get that? <laughs> I don't know where he got that, but I was so proud of him for, for saying that. Um, and then, oh, they, my- then they bust him down to Children's Hospital. Um, yeah. Where we, st- we were. There wasn't any onset diabetic diabetes kids on the floor that day, so we were actually in and out in 24 hours, which it could take, you know, two to three days, depending upon the number right. of people they're trying to treat. Yeah, so sure. it was my, my biggest nightmare that when he was diagnosed, I, I came home and get some stuff, and I just, I just broke down in tears. I, yep. I was just so, but I knew that he would be, I knew that he'd be okay because he's been watching me for he's yep. about about 10, 12 years. And, you know, when I would go low and have those periods, he would want to be by my side. He's not leaving my side. So he's seen it. So he's and seen that I have not let it slow me down. So he, he'd been exposed to it, So which was good for him. It, it's amazing. It's one of those things you certainly never want to have in common with your children. But... <laughs> In, in what ways do you and Stephen manage your T1D similarly, and in what ways are you different? That's a very good question. Um, I am his go-to. We, we've got, actually, we've gotten a lot closer because I am the go-to. We, we, have, we have a lot more com- communication. Now, when he was first diagnosed and taken insulin, um, he was not the most regimented individual, which I, I understood. So just trying to get him to recognize that before you eat, we need to count carbs and, and going through the carb counting aspect of it. And sometimes he was good. Sometimes he wasn't. Uh, come to find out he was a, he's a midnight snacker and wouldn't check his blood prior to. So there was a, there was a lot of mm. educating on the front end of Stephen, you need to do that. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. It got to a point that I, I realized I'm not telling him anymore. I'm going to ask him what he thinks he should do. Because mm. I, think, I think that piece of telling him just wasn't sinking in. And so his blood would be 300 or whatever. I said, Stephen, what do you think we should do? He goes, I don't know, Dad. What do you think? But no, no, you tell me what you think we should do. I will process it and we'll, we'll either do it or I'll make another suggestion. And that's how we handled it for, for a long period of time. It's still even to this day. I ask him what he thinks he should do. Now, one time I overruled him and I lost a bet. Uh, so I'll never overrule him again. He's pretty smart at what he does uh, and, and figure, mm. figuring it out. Uh, but I, I just, I, and he's 
so he was 16 at the time. And, you know, I'm thinking a few years away from going to college. He's a senior now in high school. I, I want him to make those decisions. I, 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 need, I need to uh, learn that, to have faith in his decision-making process as it relates to this. And, and also realize he's going to fall. I mean, he's not going to do everything right. Uh, it's still, right. it's still so new to him that I mean, mm-hmm. like a year and a half going on two years and it's still, um, still kind of forgetful, still kind of, um, you know, we, we, he's at my endocrinologist now and, uh, they kind of helped me go, he's still going to make mistakes. It's, it's okay. He just needs to recognize them and, and try not to repeat them. Absolutely. But you, you must be very inspirational to him. I know that you travel extensively for your job <laughs> while managing type one. How does, how does your management of the disease help him? Do you think? I, I think it helps because we talk a lot. Um, and, and right now, uh, right now he uh, just went today. He went through his final training uh, for his pump. He went on an insulin pump, which I, I think was the best thing for him. So he could be a, kid again where he can just give himself insulin versus having to excuse himself take needles with him all the time and and, and things like that it's a little bit easier for him to to manage and um with the 670 now that he's in full auto mode it, it should take a lot of the highs and lows out if it's if it's operating properly and, and give him a better chance and, and the medtronic reps have said he will have a better chance of never experiencing any complications due to diabetes because of technology and the continuation of the improvement in technology. And today I asked the reps, I said, when's my day? When's my warranty up on my pump? Cause I want to go to the 670 G and actually it's November and I'm looking forward to um, him teaching me what he already knows about his pump. We'll be, oh, on, the same. We'll be on the same exciting. system. It is. Now, the challenge with traveling is when we moved him to the pump, put, having him replace his insertion set, do his sensors, uh, uh, FaceTime has helped with that to help instruct him on what to do, make sure he's doing the right thing. Uh, also, the person who's probably got the most patience, uh, my wife, uh, is also – well, she's taking an active role in learning more about what's going on with Stephen and diabetes versus when I, when I had it. Uh, so she's learning as well, and, and she's an absolute saint. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned her. Um, you know, diabetes, all chronic diseases, but diabetes in particular is a family disease. So, so tell me about your wife. How is she handling her emotions? She's got a husband and a son living with a very serious chronic disease. How, how does she manage all that? Uh, some days better than others. Uh, actually, Kathy, I've got a shirt in my office. It says, I'm sorry for what I said when my blood sugar was low and high. So when oh. I, I wear this at times around the house, when I have, I know my blood sugar is high. I, I know I'm not being the most kindest person around uh, and, and just apologize. It's, it's, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. really, it's really, she worries a lot as any mother would do. Uh, She's, Mm -hmm. she's has some, she has a lot of comfort that, you know, I'm, I'm able to help her when she's trying to understand certain things that are going on with Steven. And intellectually she knows that we're, it's, it's our blood that's making us say crazy things. 
uh, or, mm-hmm. or, or, or act, you know, uh, but it still hurts. Uh, it, it, it still hurts. Mm-hmm. It, 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 even Stephen with me at times, it, it, it still hurts, but I, I got to say it's, his blood sugar is high. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, the, I think that the invisible piece of diabetes is the caregiver because of what they mm-hmm. have to go through to help us manage our disease. It's mm-hmm. it, low blood sugar is the scariest thing I've ever experienced because as a, as a friend of mine, uh, who's, a, who's a type one, uh, Merle Heckman out of, out of Northern Kentucky, uh, he said, we were talking about it one day and when you're going low, you, you panic. Now, American Diabetes Association say, well, you know, when you're low, take 15 grams, wait 15 minutes. Every diabetic mm-hmm. who I've said that, who's an experiencing low, all they do is laugh because our mind oh. is telling us carb, I want more carbs because you're shaking, you're sweating, oh. you're, 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 you feel like you're going to die. And all you want to do mm. is eat. And, but the downside of that is, is when you do that, your blood sugar spikes all the way to the roof and mm. then you got to bring it down. And, and there have been times that has happened to me uh, where I, I was done for the day. I, I was, I was scrambled eggs. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One time before a speaking engagement, I checked my blood and I was 50. And I was walking into a room of 100 people. I grabbed somebody, one of the meeting planners. I downed a Coke. And I said, I want you to stand in this room here for about 15, 20 minutes. If I fall down, then you need to call 911. Uh, I, I told her what was going on. I said, but if not, if I can get past that first 10 to 20 minutes, I'll be fine. I could, I could finish the." And it was tough because I was, I was kind of slurring words. I was kind of sounding like I was a little bit drunk. And I was sweating like I was in a sauna. Uh, mm. But I, I did it. But what I found out is I couldn't get out of bed for the next day and a half because I used every ounce of adrenaline that I had to push myself through this to get it done. That I was, mm-hmm. I, I felt like I had really bad jet lag. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I, I think diabetes is so much more challenging than than people who don't live with it or live around it understand. And and honestly, we just can't thank you enough for sharing the realities of it. Um, is there any? Are there? Is there anything else you want our listeners to know about you, about type one, your family? I mean, multi generational. That's that's still. I won't say it's uncommon, but but it's not entirely common. I think the one thing that I've become extremely passionate about, and you know this, since my son was diagnosed and I've heard stories, I've been trying to put together a TED Talk type of presentation about the symptoms of type 1 diabetes, especially in children. I've got a friend of mine who you know, his daughter was diagnosed at the same time, just before Stephen was, and I've talked to mm-hmm. people around the country and and you know, when I find out that their kid's diabetic and I have them share the story uh, and I've been at uh, speaking engagements, if, if you see your, your child, you know, drinking just a tremendous amount of water and, and, and urinating a lot, have their blood right. checked. If, if you, if you see them losing weight and you go, well, they're a kid, they're really active. They, they just go have their blood sugar checked. Go, go to, mm-hmm. you can probably mm-hmm. get it. You can probably get a, the blood sugar checked at, I don't know, I think you can get these uh, little clinics like in Kroger or whatever. Just get it done, just, just to be on the safe side. Uh, because if not, it can lead to um, 
not a whole lot of great things, and it'll take a while to recoup from that. Um, I, can, I always, I always forget the uh, the word. It's a really long word: diabetic ketoacidosis. There it is, and it's and it and it's your body attacking itself. Um, mm. There's a story that this one woman shared that um, her GP diagnosed her with H1N1 when in fact it was di- it was onset diabetes and. She got, she, when they finally figured it out, got her to emergency room, they said that she would have died in about two hours if they hadn't got her there. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah, and Healthy Lay has a couple children right now. Uh, but, yeah, I, I keep hearing that because a lot of people don't understand. You know, type 1 diabetes, you know, if, from an adult, they're going, wait, isn't that juvenile diabetes? Not anymore. It's diabetes. No. Type one is insulin dependent. Type two is yes. insulin resistant. And exactly. a friend of mine who's a partner in a firm uh, in Akron just wrote on his Facebook page how he's been able to gain better control over his type two. He's lost weight, he's exercising stuff, and his um, amount of, of insulin or the amount of, of oral meds he's had to take has actually decreased to a point that's almost non existent. Um, that, <laughs> That's, I, I'll never get to that because no. my pancreas isn't working. No. I, I, yeah. I, I, I wear my pancreas on my belt, my, my insulin pump. Uh, but Until there's a cure. Until and, the, and we have our, we have our friends at JDRF to look to and, and uh, hopefully through their research funding, get us a cure. Exactly. And um, I, I want to help you and, and Coda help get the, this message out, help you with, with the marketing, coming up with ideas on, on how we can inform the community about this because it's, it's surprising that even other doctors, even a, a orthopedic oncologist whose son was diagnosed didn't know the signs of diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, I, I think – Everybody, because, well, you, you, you shared this with me once on, on my podcast that, you know, a major illness like the flu bronchitis mm-hmm. could actually be the triggering point and, 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 and shutting down one's immune system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Creating that autoimmune attack. Right. Well, Pete, I will tell you, it's been obvious since I met you that your banner is making sure that people know the signs of, in particular, type 1 diabetes and, and then, of course, the seriousness of it. And I can't thank you enough for being on our inaugural broadcast of Type 1 Ohio. I also want to thank our listeners for becoming part of the Type 1 Ohio community. This podcast is your podcast, so please suggest ideas, topics, and guests you would like to see us have on the show. You can connect with us by checking out our website at www dot diabetesohio.org.